All right, well, we are going to go ahead and get started. So um, I'm going to welcome you uh, to our session today, uh, talking about having kids, leading kids through difficult uh, times. It's really important. So many kids are going through uh, so many different uh, things going through their whole entire life. And how do we help direct them through some of these uh, challenges? So that's what we're going to be talking about. So we're going to talk about a couple things first. I want to introduce myself. My name is Ryan Workman. This is my wife, Hannah Workman. Uh, we have been in full-time ministry for 10 years. Uh, three of those years was down in Arkansas. And then God called me back home to Ohio, which is great. Uh, this is my home district. I uh, grew up in a church where I'm pastoring now, five miles away from that. So uh, it's, really, it's really awesome to be back in Ohio. Uh, me and my wife, we met at Central Bible College. People call it Central Briar College at the time because if you didn't have your ring by spring, you get your money back, you know, so it was one of those kind of things. Um, I serve as the North Central Area Rep. My wife ser serves the North Central BGMC Rep, and we are uh, foster parents. Uh, we saw a need um, in some of the different local places, even where you're at, you might see a need as well. And we decided, you know what, we're going to help out. And we have a lot of love to give. And so we want to give some of that to some of the kids that need uh, some of those kind of things. So it's been great. We have had so much fun going through uh, different things. We love events like this where we can meet some of you. We can talk. We can conversate between others. It's always great to uh, get more training. We always need more training. It's never an ending. You never end learning. You know, if, if you think you've got to the point where you're like, I've got all accomplished, we don't. We always need more leading. So also, as myself, as if I'm teaching, I need to be in some of these other sessions learning other things that are taking place um, as well. So we're going to talk a few things about some difficult times, focusing right now on a trauma aspect of what kids might be going through. Trauma is a uh, deeply distressing or uh, disturbing experience that kids are going through. Uh, there are several different types of this kind of trauma. So we're going to go through, we're going to pack, uh, unpack just four of them if you guys want to write them down. Um, I don't have a handout. I am definitely more of a uh, talk and you know, you guys can we can conversate back and forth. We will have some question and answers at the end, uh, some different things. So there's some several types that we want to talk about. The first one I want to talk about is a acute trauma. Acute, okay? That is something that's happened maybe once, one experience that they're going through, and uh, it's a very traumatic time for them. Okay, a car accident is one of those maybe those specific times that kids go through. Even as adults, uh, we were driving back from helping decorate for kids camp. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm five minutes away from my house. I'm at a red light. All of a sudden, car comes to the back, hits me and my wife, hits my truck. Guy gets out. His airbag's deployed. Mine didn't. He's all, loses consciousness. He's a drunk driver. You know, um, you know he's like, hey, I gotta make a phone call. He walks off, you know, all those different kind of things. The part of the whole entire trauma thing is, though, is every time now I look in my rearview mirror, if I see somebody coming up behind me real quick, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, oh, here it comes. Okay, they didn't hit me. Okay, good. Some of those kind of things. That's just a small t taste of maybe sometimes what acute or this one single event might trigger some things inside of kids' uh, <clears throat> heads as well. Uh, chronic trauma, okay? So chronic trauma results of repeated prolonged exposure to highly stressful events. Uh, different examples for this is kind of the uh, child abuse, bullying from school, domestic violence maybe in the home. 
Also, we're including sexual abuse um, under this as well. These are the times that uh, children are are hurting because we don't understand what's going on with them. They, they're distant. They not want to talk to anybody. Maybe because there's something going on. We have to identify some of these kind of things. With us being foster parents, we talk to children's services often. Children's services right now, they don't have many phone calls right now. And the reason why is because during this pandemic, during this thing that's going on, kids aren't at school. So teachers don't get to call in and report some of these things that they're seeing. Doctors don't, you know, all the virtual appointments now, doctors aren't seeing some of these patients coming in and asking, like, hey, we think we see something. Just because there's different things and they, it's not being seen, it's still happening. And that's the part where as, as leaders, as working with kids, it's so important for us to make sure that we're always focusing on different things. If we see some different kind of behavior, you know, sometimes that kid may be sitting by himself. Yeah, we might just always say, well, that's, that's him. He likes to be by himself, but he might be experiencing something else. So we still need to go over and try reaching into his life because there could be something going on that is this kind of thing. It could be just bullying at school. But could go deeper. We're going to share some stories as we're going through about different things that we've experienced. And Hannah's going to come up and share some of those stories that uh, we've experienced in ministry. Because listen, if you want the, a book about how to get every kid through the same exact way, it doesn't happen. Every kid is different. Every kid is not the same. What you do for one, you have to do something else for another. And that's just the way... Uh, the world that we live in, but always be on the lookout uh, for these different things. Uh, next kind of trauma, complex uh, traumas. Uh, this is a result of uh, exposure to multiple uh, traumatic events. Okay, So we had a previous foster son with us, and he experienced a lot of things. He, experiences, he experienced abuse in his home. Um, I remember talking with him about him, I remember seeing his mom being hit. Um, I remember neglect, things of why he was even with us, and he's also seen multiple shootings. I'll tell you what, traumatic for a kid, three different things, multiple things going on, so sometimes the smallest things could have set him off, and different things, and that's the world we live in. That's the kids that we're trying to minister to. You know, so many different times where, where we were at in ministry in Arkansas and I was m moving back here. It's a better community here. Can, I, can you still love the same ones that need that? But you have to overlook some of those things because there's things going on in your ministries right now that maybe you're unaware of. So you need to actually pray and say, God, I'm going to need your help because I don't understand all of these different things. One of the other things we're going to talk about is secondary uh, trauma. So secondary trauma is... Is a different kind of trauma. Uh, this is a form of a person that is dealing and trying to help people cope with the trauma they're going through. As a children's pastor, as a worker, if a kid exposes something to you and tells you something, you know what? Anger, frustration might take over in your own self. Now you're having to work through some of these kind of trauma things because you're being affected by it at the same time. 
different things. Knowing the different types of trauma can help us minister to others, though. Knowing some of these different kind of things. So that's the biggest thing. So we had acute, we have chronic, uh, secondary, and um, complex is the biggest things. Because we live in a broken and sinful world, trauma occurs even to godly people. It's a broken word. None of us are perfect. None of us are going to be able to say, you know what, I I don't go through anything. You know what, it's also never just a big event that sometimes these things trigger. Um, So I lost my grandfather back in 2011, both of them, one in the beginning of the year, one at the end. Um, But I'll tell you what, when I'm riding in my truck and... Anybody know John Denver? You know, country road, take me home. Oh, man, I turn into the biggest babe. Country road, <laughs> take me home. You know, it just, it's, it's a song that I remember that my grandfather loves listening to and some of those kind of things, but it triggers something in your minds. Those different emotions all of a sudden kick in. It could be something totally different than that. Some of these kids, though, sing something could trigger back that shooting that he experienced. Seeing something else. Watch what he's watching on TV might trigger back, man, I remember when this happened. Some of these different things. It could be not big events. It could be small events that's now triggering back again. Trauma can happen at any time, but a trigger can happen also years after the event's taken place. I have a lady in my church right now that I talk to once every couple of months, once a month, And she's dealing with stuff because she went through stuff as a kid that her mom did. And she's over 60 now. And I'm talking with her. Trauma trauma is not just about the child. You're going to be ministering to the whole family. Okay? When you're stepping into into working with kids, guess what? You're also stepping into working with families. Because, you know, sometimes mom or dad needs some help as well. And so we want to be open ears for them as well. Uh, So it's really important that we're basing everything also on a family aspect as well. Everyone handles trauma differently. Children um, in your church do not have the same trauma experiences. Different things might set different ones off. I'll never forget the first time, really, that I thought I was made fun of in school. I was in middle school, and I just moved. We moved from Virginia Beach. My dad was in the Navy. And um, I don't know what it was, but one of the guys, he just, you know, made fun of me. I think he called me gay or something. And I took that so, like, what? I'm not. And it was just and it was a continuation of the same kind of thing. And I had friends, and I had different things, but it was just those kind of things stick with you, even to now that I can remember some of those things. I remember the kid's name, who it was. Like, it's just some of those kind of things that stays with you. Every single kid is experiencing something totally different. And nothing is going to help unless we can step in and say, hey, how can we help you get through the situation? Many of us could think of traumatic things that happened to us as, as children, maybe, and we're still dealing with those as adults. Many have traumatic uh, reactions or flashbacks, and each time we can handle it differently. Um, I know some personal stories of people that have experienced some things. Um, we're just going to be real in here. Experienced sexual abuse as a child. No one really knew about it. Kind of all goes away. Years later, something happens. The whole family finds out about it. It almost starts tearing a family apart, and different things are happening. But it's years later, 
People sometimes are getting married and they didn't even tell their spouse sometimes beforehand, hey, this is what happened to me as a young kid. I'm telling you what, if you're experiencing, if you experience sexual abuse at a young age, you know what, when you get married, that could, could affect your marriage life as well. So it's all these different kind of things where trauma is such a, a huge thing. Difficult times you're going through different, is, is hard. Now, this is not just about sexual abuse. This isn't just about child abuse. This isn't just about other things. Kids go through difficult times all the time. So before we get going, um, my first story, I'm going to tell one of the stories. I'm going to turn it over to my wife. Um, this happened about a year and a half ago. And a family in my church, we're very close with this family, lost a pet. Pet died. I don't know about you, if you've ever, anybody ever had a pet die, it feels like you lose part of the family. Um, when we relocated back to Ohio, uh, we found good homes for our dogs, but it was a sad thing. Well, this family, their, their cat had died old. His name was, the, the cat's name was Rocky. Um, uh, you know, he was an older cat. They, it was experienced. They knew this was coming. Uh, but their kids were seven, five, three. They've got six now, so six under nine. But they were experiencing some hurt. They were experiencing different things. And they asked me to come over. So we came over and we just went to their backyard and were digging a hole. And they were sad. And, you know, we're comforting them, giving them hugs, saying, it's okay. You know, God's going to help you. Because I'm not the kind of person that's like, gonna, you know, listen, could there be cats and dogs in heaven? You know, see, people say yes. People say no. That's not what this is about here. Okay? It's about helping that kid going through that difficult time that he's having at this loss that they're having. So, what did we do? So I ended up helping uh, dig the hole. They asked me, could you pray and read a scripture? Listen, when you're, trying, when you're thinking about doing a funeral, okay, and you're thinking about doing a funeral for a cat, you, in my mind at that point in time, I was like, this is the weirdest thing in the world. I've never done a funeral. All right, let's, you know, okay. You know, I've never done that before. But for a child... To have that kind of a closure kind of thing of learning what death is. Because kids need to learn what that kind of stuff is. If they don't know what death is when they get older and stuff, it's going to be harder. So when they're going through these different things, and I decided to read a scripture and pray. But this is what the scripture that I read. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous, my righteous, my right hand. Isaiah 41.10. Then I got to pray with them. Giving them strength, giving them courage, giving them comfort for what is taking place. Because we have to have comfort. So many different things are happening in our lives. We have to give kids these comforts. So, Scripture is always a basis um, for different things of trying to help kids going through some of these different things. There's so many different Scriptures that we could... Use. And so uh, that was just the first illustration talking about how that is that one acute kind of time where this death happened. But because that death happened and we walked that kid through it, when someone else passed away, maybe a grandparent, maybe someone that's, you know, that they really care about, they see how we handle that and now how we're going to handle something else. So that's that first part. And I'm going to turn, we're going to take my mic off and switch it over here so she can mic up so everyone can hear this. And give it up for my wife, Hannah. Uh, see, I didn't get any claps when I started. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Um, the second story that I'm going to share um, is a story of complex trauma. Um, when we were youth pastors in Arkansas, we were, we were both very young at the time. I was, uh, I think I just turned 22, and so that would have made Ryan 24. Um, and where we were at was a very, very poor community. Um, it was a very, very needy, very needy. There, any, any kind of need you could think of, they had it there. Uh, and there was a family who was in our church. Um, it was a brother and a sister. They came by themselves. Uh, they were picked up on the van or someone in the church would pick them up um, and bring them. Um, they had a very rough life. Um, the girl was 16 and the little boy was about 8 or 9. They had moved around from family member to family member because their mom was a drug addict. She would get clean for a month or so and then um, you know, the kids would live with her for that month. And then for the next five months, they would live with someone else. And it was a very, very sad situation. Um, their mom ended up getting shot in a drug deal that went wrong. She lived through it, but the kids experienced that. They were at the hospital to see her there. It was very traumatic, very traumatic for them. Um, these kids, the only people they had to be leaders to them were the people in the church. Um, when, the, when the girl, she was about 17 or 18, she called Ryan and I one night at 1 o'clock in the morning and said, I've made a mistake. I'm at a party I shouldn't be at. Everybody here is drunk or high, and I don't know how I'm going to get home. And so Ryan and I at 1 o'clock in the morning went and picked her up and took her to her grandmother's house. We had always told our students, if you find yourself in a situation that you shouldn't be in, Call us. Now we're going to tell your parent or your guardian that we came to get you. But call us because you always have someone that you can turn to. They were dependent on, on us to be their spiritual leadership. They were dependent on the people of the church, sometimes for their basic needs. Um, when, the, when the older girl, when she graduated high school, she decided that she was going to move back in with her mom. And her mom was not clean at this time. She was very heavily involved with meth. And the girl started to experiment with drugs with her mom. Thankfully, that only lasted about a month. And she was able to move out of her mom's house. And she moved into an apartment. Her little brother, however, was still being sent between mom and grandma back and forth. It was October of 2013. We were at church on a Sunday morning. And we got a phone call that the teenage girl had been in an accident. And they said her neck was broken. They had taken her to one of the bigger cities away from us. And this was in the middle of church we found this out. And so we stopped our service and prayed right there in the middle of our sanctuary. I remember them telling us her neck is broken. Things don't look good. And the whole two hours we were driving up there, in my mind, I'm like, God's going to heal her. God can heal anybody. He's going to heal her. She's going to be okay. Once we got up there, we were walking through the front doors of the hospital, and there was a lady talking to her mom, and she said, we're going to harvest her organs if that's okay with you. That was mind-blowing. I, I couldn't believe it. I, in my mind, I kept saying, God, you're going to heal her. We can't, we can't even talk about this because I know you're going to heal her. 
Well, later um, that night, she did end up passing away. And her younger brother had no one, really, to, to talk to about this. He was pretty much going through this by himself because all the adults in his life were not people that could give him any sort of guidance. Um, it was a few days later. We had the funeral for this young girl. The sanctuary is packed. Her family, all there. And we had just gotten back after we had done the graveside, fun uh, the graveside portion, and her little brother had come over to our table. And there was another young man at our table, and he, you know, was talking to Cameron, this young boy, and just telling him he was so sorry and that he loved him. And he told Cameron, he said, Cameron, this year I'm going to play Santa Claus at your, at your school. And Cameron looked at him and said, well, can I ask you for one thing? And he said, what? And he said, can you bring my sister back to life? That's a very hard thing to hear a young child say. You know, they know death is permanent. This young kid knew death was permanent. He had lost a lot of people. So there was a lot of things we had to do to minister to not only this little boy, but to his whole family. There were many days we would spend hours on the phone with this family. Sometimes they would want to cry. Sometimes they needed to yell. Sometimes they just needed someone to listen to the things that they were talking about. Um, but one of, the, one of the scriptures we used was, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. This young man now is in the military. You know, he, he was able to move away from the town we lived in. He's living a very successful life right now. And it's incredible to see that because all of the chance, all of the odds were stacked against him that he was going to end up just like his mom or just like his dad. You might have kids in your own ministry at your church that their parents are not involved or their parents are people that maybe shouldn't be involved in their life because they, um, maybe they are alcoholics, maybe they are drug addicts. So you're going to have kids who, who might lose a sibling, who go through difficult times like that. The third um, story I want to share with you is about our first foster son that we had. Um, in the initial removal, when he first came to our house, the first two days were like perfect. Ryan and I couldn't believe it. We're like, all these stories they told us in our classes, they said, you know, this, this, and this could happen, but he's like the perfect little kid. We're like, we got the best kid ever. Well, once he started to feel safe in our home and started to learn that he didn't have to worry about seeing a shooting or a, a dad hit a mom, that's when he started to act out. And maybe some of you have experienced that before. Um, little things would trigger him. Like Ryan had said, he would see, you know, something on TV and it would remind him of when he saw his stepdad hitting his mom. Or a car would backfire outside and he would think that it was a gunshot. We saw a car that looked like a car that had been involved with a shooting in front of his home. And he froze. He couldn't do anything. I had to physically pick him up and put him in the car. He had one of the scariest times. We had just gotten done with 
um, Christmas play practice on a Saturday. And we got in the car and he started crying and screaming like he was in agonizing pain. And Ryan and I are looking at each other like, what is happening? He started saying, I see, I see a man in all black. He's coming for me. He's coming to kill me. At this point, he's thrashing around in our back seat. Ryan and I had no idea what we should do. So we drove straight to the hospital. This little boy had had a traumatic flashback of something horrible that had happened to him. And when you're not prepared for that, when you've never experienced anything like that, even as an adult, that's hard to see a kid do. That's hard to see a kid go through that. I consider myself very fortunate because I never had to experience any of those things as a child. I came from a very stable and safe home. My mom and dad were you know, loving, they were married. And so I never, for me to hear a child talk about the things that they had seen was very difficult. One of the best things that we did for him was we got him in to see a counselor. And it just so happened, the way God orchestrated it, it was a man who used to go to our church. He was a Christian, spirit-filled man. So not only was our foster son getting counseling, but he was getting a biblical, spirit-filled foundation you know, of his counseling. God doesn't allow things just to happen out of chance. He orchestrates them on purpose. And that definitely was on purpose. Um, the, the biblical response that we had to this was, there are many nights he would wake up and say, I see something in my room. He said, I think there's a demon in my room. No, nope, there's no demons in this house. But we would get up, we would anoint his door, we would anoint his bed, we would anoint him, we would anoint his brother, we would anoint the window, we would anoint the whole room. We would turn on worship music, we would pray over him for as long as he needed. For about two months straight, Ryan slept on his floor for an hour every night until he would fall asleep. Because he needed to know that he was in a safe place. He needed to know that there wasn't a demon trying to kill him or somebody dressed in black coming to kill him. The Bible is a huge, huge part of how we help kids deal with trauma. The last situation that I want to share with you guys is something that um, we're going through now with a family in our church. Um, like Ryan mentioned, with school not happening for a lot of our state, um, there aren't teachers there to report on things. And in August, our pastor called us in tears and he said, so-and-so just called me and confessed that he was molesting his niece. This man and his niece, her family, all went to our church. This man was not a man you would ever expect that would molest his niece. It was very difficult for Ryan and I because this man was a close friend. And as children's leaders, we like to think that we, our, our safety radars are always on. You know, because for me, anytime someone new comes to the church, I'm like, what, what's your intention? You know, why are you coming back near the kids' area? Because I want to protect these kids. And so for us, it was very difficult because we thought, we're usually on our game about this stuff and we weren't here. 
So we went that night over to um, the man's home to pray with his wife and their daughter. Um, the next day, the mom of the young girl who had been molested had called Ryan and I and asked us to come over to her home. Some of the things that she told us had happened were traumatic for us. And, and like Ryan said earlier, some of the things kids might confess to you or talk to you about will be traumatic and will be difficult for you to hear. Because it might be a friend in church that you're hearing stuff about. You know, it might be a kid, a family that you're really close to that their dad walks out on their family. And that's, that can be very difficult. Um, this, this family, um, it's, it's tearing their whole family apart. We found out more things that had happened. And one of the hardest things for Ryan and I to sit and listen to was the mom go into very graphic details of what had happened to her daughter. Um, but it was very healing for her to be able to have someone to talk to, to be able to have someone that she could confide in. So there were times Ryan and I would have to go to our pastor and say, Pastor, we need you to pray with us. We need you to talk through some of these things with us because this is kind of secondary trauma that we're going through. Because not only is it this little girl that we love and who's been a part of our children's ministry for years, this was a close friend of ours that we could not even imagine would do this. Some of the things that we've done to help this family is we, um, we lead a life group, and it's just this mom and her daughters. They're able to come and be with Ryan and I and say, ask for prayer for whatever they need to ask prayer for without having, you know, ten other families there to hear all the stuff that's going on. There's been many times the mom has called me, texted me, just needing to cry. Maybe she's not saying anything at all, but she just needs to cry. She'll, um, we've, we've attended court with them. When we were there for the first court date, the man ended up walking around the corner where we were sitting at, and he stood there. So Ryan stood in front of the mom, and he's like, you're not, there's no reason for you to be over here. You know, he was there to protect that mom. We brought them meals. You know, we've, we've been there for them. One of the verses that, that we've used is Proverbs 133. It says, but whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. There's been a lot of anxiety there. There's been a lot of fear of what else am I going to find out from my daughter? What else is she going to tell me at her next counseling session happened? But God says he's there to comfort us. And he's there to bring our minds comfort. Because a lot of times when people are going through difficult situations like this, it's their mind that plays tricks on them. Um... Other situations that you might encounter in your church could be divorce. We've walked through several families through divorce. Families that you never would imagine it happening. Medical diagnosis. We've walked through families who have gotten cancer diagnosis or, or other horrible diseases. Parents losing their job. 
for some kids, that makes them wonder, how are my parents going to take care of me? That gives them anxiety. Families moving, physical abuse, grandparents passing, and the pandemic. Most of us have probably had children in our church or families in our church who have experienced so many different emotions, so many different hardships because of the pandemic. What may not seem like a big deal or something traumatic to one person can be devastating to another. Like Ryan talked about with, with this pet, this family that lost a pet. To their oldest son, it was very, very devastating. To their son who was just a year or two younger than him, it was like, eh, Rocky died, you know. I don't really care. But the older son, for him, it was just, it was the worst thing that could ever happen to him. So we have to be sensitive to that. You know, if just because Susie's parents got divorced and she was okay with it doesn't mean that Johnny's going to handle it the same way. Difficult things that happen to children and families sometimes can require more help than we are able to give. And it's okay to tell someone that you don't know, that you don't have the answer. Sometimes you're going to say the wrong thing. And you have to apologize and move forward from that. Um, I can think of many times where I've had to ask someone else to come in and help handle a situation because I just didn't know what to do. I would think, I am not equipped or I am not old enough to handle this. I feel like a child myself. Um, another thing is I would encourage you when there are people in your church that are going through difficult times that you should always involve your lead pastor because you never want your lead pastor to be blindsided and find out, oh yeah, by the way, you know, we found out Susie's dad was beating her and he finds out from the newspaper. That actually happened in our church. There was a family in our church that had been abusing their children and they had told their life group leaders what was going on. They told them, we're probably going to get sent away to jail. Our kids might get removed from the home. The life group prays for them, but doesn't tell any of the pastoral leadership. Pastor's on a missions trip, gets a phone call from home and says, you're never going to believe who's on the front page of the paper. So pastor quickly calls the associate who's back at home and she contacted the life group and they said, oh, we knew, we just figured everybody else did. You cannot assume that other people know. You can't assume that your senior pastor already knows. There are also situations that maybe just pastoral counseling is not going to be enough. A lot of times sexual abuse, physical abuse. There, there's many things that will require more than just pastoral counseling. Um, the Emerge Ministries is a great place for you to start. Call them. Ask them for recommendations. Ask them for people in their ministry that will do counseling. Your local children's services. They offer trainings on trauma. Um, they may be willing to allow you to come and sit in or they may be willing to send someone to your church or your ministry um, who can do some trainings on trauma, how to recognize it, you know, how to know that Tommy's not just tired today, but something's going on. 
But the biggest thing is the Bible will be your biggest guide and will be and prayer will be your biggest tool. No matter how big or small a difficult situation or traumatic event is, we should always take advantage of being able to pray with the child and their family because prayer changes things. Every time we would talk to this mom, we would pray. Right before we go into court, we would pray. You know, this family that lost their pet, we prayed. Um, this young boy who lost his sister, we prayed with them so much. Our foster son, like I said, every night we prayed. Prayer changes things. And prayer also can help you from experiencing secondary trauma. Like I said, some of us are going to hear things that our children tell us. And it's going to cause trauma in us. But prayer can change things. Um, I want to share a couple more Bible verses with you that you can share. You know, with children and their families, um, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. Isaiah 46.4 I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Psalm 44.4 When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Isaiah 43, 2. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. 2 Corinthians 4, 8. The Bible is going to be our biggest guide. When we don't know what to say, when we don't know what to say, we can look to the Bible, and it's going to tell us what we should say. We can pray, and God's going to let us know what to do, whether that is us speaking to someone or getting more help to come alongside us. Um, right now we're going to open it up for question and answers, if anybody has anything. Yeah, before, before we do that, this was a lot of stuff just thrown okay, um, at you guys, different things like that. What's, how is each kid different? How are we going to identify different things? We have to be open always as we're Pentecostal. We have to be open to the Holy Spirit speaking into our lives of how we can help out in these situations. Some, some situations might take a lot more work. Uh, like we said before, with all these different things, you know, food, praying with them, uh, spending time, being available to them uh, when they need. Now, I'm not saying that you have to drop your job if you're not even a full-time pastor. And like that, but whatever you can do to help is always helpful. Am I saying that if a kid's going through trauma time in your ministry, you're going to have to go to your par their parents' house and sleep on their floor? No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. But we are, like, when it was our foster son, that's what I felt like I wanted to do. And listen, I had my Bible there, and I'm laying down, I'm reading my Bible, and um, filling the room with God's presence. That's right. Because God's already in the midst. Um, but we always allowed him to pray as well. Some days he's like, I don't want to pray today. That's fine. That doesn't mean I'm not going to pray. And the biggest thing is when he got to go home, okay, I'm going to tell you this. This is, this is the victory story. He got to go home, and we prayed over him as he was going home. And they said, can I pray for you all? And he prayed the most powerful prayer kid had ever prayed for me before. He said, man, thank you for allowing them to take care of me during this difficult time my family's going through. I pray right now for the next kid that's going to come. I mean, at this point in time, me and Harold are like, <laughs> okay. Pray for the next kids that come into our home. We've had um, two little girls for a couple weeks. Two little weeks. girls for a couple weeks, and now we also we have a, 
seven-month-old that's 23 pounds. <laughs> um, but it's just those kind of things. And I'll never forget the prayer that he prayed over me of how powerful that was. And that's because the influence that he saw, not only just from me and, and my wife, it's also from being in the church. When you're a pastor's kid, you're going to be, let's go, we get to church almost every day. And, you know, so he just experienced all those kind of things, but he got to go home. His family got to relocate to, to Texas. We got to FaceTime with him. Uh, he turned 10 um, the beginning of March, and we got to FaceTime with him. He, says, he just said, thank you again for all that you did for me. We, got to, we sent him a birthday present, you know, just little things like that. And it means the world to kids that he knows that somebody still cares for him. And that's right. somebody's still praying for him as well. That's right. And that's, that's some of the biggest thing. So now I want to open up for questions. <laughs> Anything, anybody. Not all at once, though. Yeah. Are you not mandated reporters? Absolutely. Uh, so we were sorry. I have to repeat the questions in the microphone. Uh, we were asked if um, we are mandated reporters. So um, as 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 a worker with kids, you are a mandated reporter. Okay. I don't care if it's you serve in kids ministry once um, once a month, if you serve in kids ministry once every six months. If a kid tells you something, you need to report it now. I would also tell you, you need to report it, but I would let your children's pastor know immediately. If you're close with your senior pastor, talk to him. If you let me know, the first person I'm going to is I'm going to my lead pastor saying, hey, I'm getting ready to make a phone call. Just want to make sure that you know, okay? Number two, never promise a kid anything, okay? Uh, because if you say, yes, I promise not to say something, and they report to you sexual abuse, guess what you have to do? You've got to break that promise. You break that trust, but you want the abuse to stop, so you have to break that promise. But then your trust with that kid is ruined. So never promise a kid anything. Um, you know, yes, I promise I won't say anything because if they're really hurting, they need the help right now. And yeah. so that's what I would say. So yes, as 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 a worker in kids ministry, as youth ministry, I don't care what it is. If you deal with minors, um, as ministers as and ministers. as foster parents too. Uh, you know, sometimes they, sometimes people say, well, you know, clergy and and person privilege, you know, clear, you know, guess what? If it's under the age of 18, it ain't, okay? It's trying to help these kids get out of the, the hurting that they're in. So that goes out the window. And uh, like I said before, this person my friend, and I pray God forgives him, but I also believe um, in a just God as well. And so a punishment fits the crime as well as why, the way I feel as well with that. So <laughs> I don't care if he's my friend or not, or it wasn't mine. <laughs> Um, anything else? Any questions popping around? Man, I got some shaking heads no in the back. Like, no, nope, <laughs> Yes? So we um, have a few kids that have lost grandparents mm -hmm. and lost mm -hmm. um, And, you know, we made the whole bag. We tried to connect as we can. And then, you know, just with the last year and stuff, is there anything else we should be doing? Um, we had the question, um, we have, there's kids in their church that have lost grandparents or family members in the past and they make gift bags, little goodie bags, treats for them, and they wanted to know if there's something else they should be doing, something different that they should be doing. Um, I think that, that is wonderful. I think the things that you're doing sound great. Um, one of the things that I would um, maybe add is asking the parents if they need you 
Um, maybe to take the kids and do something. I know with COVID it's kind of harder. Maybe, maybe you go to their house and you guys take a little walk. Say, hey, you know, I know you've gone through some tough things past year. I know you lost grandma. But if you ever want to talk about it, if you ever have questions, you know, about death or about heaven or about hell, you know, I'm here to answer those questions. Uh, I also think that being available for the kids to call you can be a good thing. And it doesn't have to be, I'm available, you know, at 2 a.m. for you to call me. I'm not saying that, but be available, you know, because every kid might need something different. Some of the kids, the, the gift bag might be just what they need. Some of these kids, it might be a phone call. Some of them, it might be going on a walk with them. So just be available. And like, and like, and like you said, after, after the, uh, the cat passed away, those, the three older ones, we said, hey, we're, we're going to take those three. We went to the zoo. We, you know, hey, let's get in the car. We're going to go to the zoo, and you know, we're experiencing, we're going to see some other animals. And you know, we got to minister to them, like, hey, I know you miss your cat and stuff. And ju just being able to do that. But now, a grandparent's a lot different than a cat, okay? <laughs> like, this is something that we're very close to. I'll never forget my grandfather passed away, and my nephew went to his room that he, that my grandfather, that was technically his room, and he's not there. And, uh, you know, just having to administer, like, you know, this is all part of life. Everyone is going to. Part is, though, is when you say stuff like that, I'm like, wait, I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah, someday down the road, you know, and, and like I said, uh, it's just being there is, is, is the biggest thing. So ministry, so what you're doing is, is great as well. Anybody else? Anybody else? We've got 10 more minutes. So I can just stand here. Have you talked this past year with COVID, a lot of the kids have uh, had a tougher time dealing with um, personal interaction with other kids. Like, acted out a lot more that you would no not normally see your normal kids, like your normal group of kids. We, we're getting a lot of uh, van kids in and mm -hmm. outside kids in right now. And it just seems like that. They, they forgot how to interact with each other, and it's a tougher time with, you know, I think they're having a tough time mm -hmm. interacting with each other. It's, yes. It's a harder time. So the question that we just got was, um, in the past year, have we noticed that kids are behaving differently because of the pandemic? Are they interacting the way they used to? Are they acting out? Um, what are some of the behaviors that we're seeing? Um, honestly, because of what is happening um, in, in the country, in the world, let me tell you, first of all, in our country, uh, things like this are changing kids, okay? Um, you're, you're talking video games, you're talking anything else, what can I do in front of a screen? I don't care if it's phone, I don't care if it's video game, I don't care if it's computer, iPad, it doesn't matter. It's changing the dynamic of things that are taking place. For the most times, you know, when I was growing up, you know, if you got a phone call, you don't want to do things over a phone call. Well, now it's over text messaging. Well, now you have video messaging. There's so many different aspects of what's going on, and kids have to have a way that they can react face-to-face. -face. The problem is, is now, all right, with schools being online, it's a thing that we had to do for a time. But I'm telling you, with kids going online, well, now there's more screen time. They're sitting in front of that screen uh, and, and different things. So it's harder for them to... Uh, communicate. It's even when I, even as a leader, if you've been a leader for a long time, sometimes talking to kids, if they're 
more outside kids, man, they can talk to you and they're face-to-face and they're a great conversation. Other times it's, hey, trying to pull stuff out because it's not over a message or it's not over something. I know families that, you know what, when it's time for dinner, mom sends a text out and, hey, you know, hey, dinner's done. (laughs) I mean, I know of second graders that have cell phones. Oh, yeah, I've, I've noticed you know, a lot here. Yeah. So you got cell phones. Everybody's got cell phones. It, it, it's hard because of this different, the pandemic stuff that's gone on. Shown services is expecting a big flux of calls when kids are going back to school, when things are happening. And the reason why is because they've just been at home. That's where they're getting the abuse from, but they don't have anyone to speak for them. And so that's the whole entire thing of getting them back to school. It's important for them to get back to school so they can have the relationship, but it's important to get back to school so we can help these kids and protect these kids at the same time. Uh, one of the things we've also noticed, and maybe some of you guys have noticed this in your church, they're shy kids who it takes them several, took them several months to start coming back to kids' church. Or every time their parents would drop them off at the nursery, it was like a screaming fight. Well, some of these kids, they got used to the nursery. They got used to kids' church. Well, then now we've been gone, you know, these, the kids in the nursery, they were gone from March until September. That's a long time for a kid to be at home with only mom and dad, to not see anybody, you know, to not be in unfamiliar places. So we have kids who regressed a lot because I'm not going there. I've only been with my mom for the last six months. And so we've had to deal with that a lot with um, our younger kids and like even some of the kindergartners and first graders because of the pandemic. Anything else? We find a lot of them were scared too, for the fact that you know we, some of the kids we get are, are so afraid to even come back, or when they yeah. do come back, they they don't want to have no, they want to be standoffish. But you know, but after about two hours, they're like, or hour, you know. Yeah. Oh, you, you like man, this is this yeah. is what we're missing. So yeah. it's always great to get back. And I I, I preached last time on, uh, last week on on fear. And how sometimes we can be fearful, but we can't be fearful when we trust in God. So, now listen, in my kids' ministry, are my kids wearing masks right now? Yes. Do I even, listen, this is different for me because I don't have a mask on right now, but I wear a mask even when I'm preaching right now. The only reason why is because when I take mine off, all the kids take theirs off. So, you know what I said? You know what? I'm going to put mine on. Just leave mine on. I got my microphone here. And we're just going to go with that. Uh, we're trying to be safe, but I'm trying to tell the kids, they don't have to be scared. God's going to be there. He's going to protect us. There's certain times where, you know what, my mask goes out the window because I know God's protecting. The first week of this pandemic thing shutting down and our first week back to service, we have a gentleman in our church, he's 70, 80 years old, 85 years old, uh-huh. and he has cancer. And his wife came and says, would you pray for him? I said, yeah. And I'm thinking almost in passing, like, pray for him. Oh, no, will you bring oil and anoint him with oil? This is the first week we get back in service back in June. And at that point in time, I said, you know what? I've got a responsibility. I'm going to go and pray. So we went outside. His family gathered around. I anointed him with oil with no mask on and prayed over him. And, and, he, and he's still fighting his battle. But it's those kind of times where, like, I'm not going to be fearful uh, for that. Because I know God is, is a supernatural God. And so he's going to protect and some of those other kind of things. And same thing goes for kids. It doesn't have to be an A5-year-old man. <laughs> I'm a, you know, we're doing God's work in kids' ministry in that foundation. So, uh, And one of the things I think that we've seen in our church uh, personally is maybe the more feel, fearful the parents are, the, they can um, their kids see that and they're more fearful. You know, or the more... 
kind of lackadaisical they are, that's how the kids are. Um, but us personally, we, we only have just a few families who've not come back at all. We have some that'll come back once or twice a month, but for the most part, we've had everybody come back and it's been, it's been huge. Yeah, and, and a lot of it is too, it's all different family preferences. I have one family, they're not coming back until I don't have to wear a mask. Well, I'm sorry, I still record my online services. I record on Thursday, I post it on Sunday so they can still get uh, a kid lesson. Um, but we have some families like that that they're just like, my kid's not wearing a mask. Okay, uh, that's your decision. So, uh, but things like that. Anything else? No? Well, awesome. I'm going to, uh, we're, we're, I mean, get out about five minutes early, but I'm going to pray. Um, and then we will um, let you guys go, all right? Let's buy our player. God, we thank you so much, God, yes, for who Jesus. you are. God, we cannot do this work um, without you. God, we need you in our lives, directing us and guiding us, God, and, and showing us these, these kids that are going through difficult times. God, as we exposed a lot today, Jesus, and, and sh shared so many different stories, God, it might be stories of someone is sick, parent lost a job. It's not just sometimes these big things that kids are going through, but God, help us to identify, God, these difficult times that kids are going through. God, that so we can help them. We can encourage them. God, we can lift them up. There's someone that cares about them and someone that loves them. God, we do that, and we know you do as well. And so we want to always uh, give thanks to you, Jesus. God, we want to get into our Bibles more and in your spirit and pray more, Jesus, God, so that when, when these things come up, God, you are going to direct our path. God, we thank you so much for allowing us to, to minister to these people that are hurting. God, not just the kids, but sometimes it leads over into family ministry. God, we thank you so much. Jesus, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 All right, thanks, guys. And you can head out the door to your next <laughs> session. Thanks, guys. Oh, and uh, I'm sorry, a quick Oops. plug. <laughs> Uh, at the table out here, like when you go out, there's the table out there. Um, they have the what now for kids, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, followed by God and salvation, and then the strong enough to laugh club. So if you, these sound interesting to you, you can head on Seriously. out there. and These three right here, um, honestly, if you need some help when they're called by God, called into ministry, or salvation, or baptism of the Holy Spirit, probably baptism of the Holy Spirit is sometimes one of the, mo the biggest ones that I've used to help kids walk through. All right, so... Now what? Like, what am I supposed to do? So these things are really good good resources out there on the kid ministry table um, for, for you guys, all right? Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.